So I shall begin. Welcome to Afternoon with Atheists. My name is Vic. I'm an alcoholic. Joining me are John H. and John C., who will talk after I do, and we will have a Q&A when we hope to hear from you all. In a way, this video is what I want to elaborate on. I want a reminder of the perils of fact-free beliefs. I do not want to delude myself in order to answer that which remains unanswered. For if I were to believe that which has no evidence, then I might as well jump into a volcano to sacrifice myself in order to appease a god and end a drought. It is my understanding that all members, no matter their personal beliefs or non-beliefs, are welcome in secular AA. We in secular recovery are trying to demonstrate that sobriety is possible without any religious encumbrances. One of the reasons I now attend secular AA meetings almost exclusively is that the God thing in traditional AA gets a bit much after a while. At best, it's wearing. At worst, it's demanding. And of course, secular AA is non-religious, not anti-religious. There are plenty of believers in secular AA, but a lot of them prefer to talk about God in church and talk about alcoholism in AA. Everyone is encouraged to speak their mind. We merely strive to provide an environment where religious beliefs of any sort are a purely personal matter and not a requirement for sobriety. And as we are well aware, traditional AA claims that it is not religious, but spiritual. On the one hand, I regard that as a distinction without a difference. On the other hand, if spirituality is indeed different from religion, I feel that I'm less likely to offend spiritualists than religionists. It is certainly not my aim to offend anyone. We are, after all, talking about beliefs. All of which leads me to the burning, unanswered, secular AA question, exactly what is a spiritual atheist? It seems to me to label oneself a spiritual atheist at best sends contradictory messages. So, at the risk of sounding like a one-note samba, and as one who sees no difference between religion and spirituality, I'm well aware of those who describe themselves as non-believer, that there are many subtle variations, variations that can be cut as thinly as the finest prosciutto. But I feel it's safe to assume that the term that includes the term that includes atheist at a minimum includes some rejection of a god, most likely because there's no evidence. So it's the spiritual part that baffles me. I wrote an essay on Sam Harris's assertion of spirituality in his book Waking Up, with the in-your-face subtitle, "A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion." <clears throat> Excuse me. My article, "Why Did Sam Harris Stop Making Sense," was published and printed on actual paper in Truth Magazine, Truth Seeker Magazine. You can find it online by Googling why did Sam Harris stop making sense? And it will turn up as a past post on this website, aa.secular.org. Spirituality is many things to many people. However, your spirituality may not be my spirituality. In fact, spirituality is many things to many people. Ask a thousand people, and you'll get a thousand definitions, thus rendering the word for all intents and purposes as meaningless. Even Bill W. wrote, quote, maybe there are as many definitions of spiritual awakening as there are people who have had them, end quote. Subsequently, I regard spirituality as identical to religion. Both are man-made constructs and sorely lacking of any credible evidence. Just what is spirituality? Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that spirituality is, 
is reached exclusively by intuitive means or a gut feeling, or I just know, or I can just sense it. To me, that certainly is not evidence and borders on superstition. And yes, when others do me wrong, I take momentary comfort in saying to myself, well, what goes around comes around. But reality, not so deep down, I know that is delusional thinking. Socially acceptable, mind you, but delusional nonetheless. Or when someone asks me what my sign is, I admit that I'm curious to hear what it says. But I realize that too is also meaningless. In some small way, it helps me make sense of the world for about five seconds. These are my just my attempts to make myself more comfortable in the moment, to come up with answers or explanations to things that can't be answered or explained. In the past 25 years or so, much has been made of the rise in the percentage of the population that describes itself uh, as non-believers or agnostics or even atheists. But upon closer inspection, there are many more, they are more accurately described as nuns, that is, none of the above. Our self-identification of none of the above turns out to have more to do with the rejection of organized religion than rejection of belief itself. Belief? I cannot think of a better word than, say, Mm. karma or tarot cards or the healing power of crystals or the awesomeness of nature or the eeriness of a coincidence. Even the overwhelming vibe. Like everyone else, I too have these very same experiences. However, if I have a self-transcending experience or merely an extraordinary experience, I simply describe them as self-transcending or extraordinary. I don't try and talk them up with some sort of mystical or sacred interpretation. In other words, I try to acknowledge the ineffable. So why do spiritual atheists fall into the spirituality trap? The overwhelming majority of people on this planet are believers of some sort and are indoctrinated into a particular religion from birth. This brainwashing occurs throughout childhood, a period of utmost vulnerability. As children, we trust the adults who raise and love us. That trust usually enables any and all crazy, unsupported beliefs to be deeply integrated into our collective psyches. In addition, our biological wiring makes us at risk to believe the wildest of ideas and beliefs, especially when they are repeated endlessly. Just ask advertising agencies. All this makes it almost impossible to question, much less undo, these embedded teachings, certainly not at a tender age. It's only when we are older that we can commence to think for ourselves and begin to disentangle the big questions for ourselves. But to assert any religious independent thinking requires some sort of familicide, for rejecting one's native-born religion is to kill off our family and all our other family members who went before us. Are we too proud to change our thinking, to admit to a possible era of reasoning? Hubris. Is spirituality some sort of agnostic life? Is spirituality somehow more socially acceptable than straight-out disbelief? Do we fear social reprisals? Mind you, I feel comfortable speaking my mind here. I often think hard before I reveal some of these personal beliefs or rather disbeliefs to others, even to those closest to me. Non-believers are a despised group. Here's something I just read. Quote, Americans in large numbers still do not want atheists teaching their children or marrying them. They would, according to surveys, prefer a female, gay, Mormon, or Muslim president (laughs) to having an atheist in the White House. And while the Boy Scouts of America has opened its organization to gays and girls, 
it continues to bar any participant who will not pledge to do my duty to God. I've come to realize that traditional a that traditional AA's not religious but spiritual assertion is a very clever pose. Some AA sanctioned literature, specifically the big book's dreaded chapter four, we agnostic, deals with the likes of us in the most patronizing, illogical, and condescending <laughs> manner. It tells us that sooner or later we will be converted into a believer, and then, and only then, will we achieve and maintain sobriety. Chapter four's opening paragraph makes this position quite clear. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that is the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. It goes on to state, quote, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. It then proceeds to argue for the existence of God that I assume as spiritual atheist you take umbrage. Mercifully, it ends, but with the denigration of, re of reason. Quote, imagine life without faith. Were nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. I beg to differ. So, after years of outcry from its less religious members, two AA-approved pamphlets were published, Many Paths to Spirituality and The God Word. They are not as strident as Chapter 4. However, that's a rather low bar. In these publications, and even some of the alternative steps, a sense of bait and switch that, sure enough, leads back to God. By definition, the pamphlet, Many Paths to Spirituality, presents just that. Was a lack of spirituality the cause of our downfall into alcoholism, since spirituality seems to be necessary to allow us to get and stay sober? Sounding reasonable, the God word, word starts off with AA is not a religious organization, Alcoholics Anonymous has only one requirement for membership, and that is the desire to stop drinking. There is room in AA for people of all shades of belief and non-belief. I'm still quoting. Many members believe in some sort of God, and we have members who come from and practice all sorts of religions, but many are also atheist or agnostic. But then it falls off the cliff. Quote, it's important to remember that AA is not a religious organization. We have a simple idea that there is a power greater than us as individuals, end quote. So much for the God word. And of course, there are many a non-AA approved alternative steps, the ones that are offered instead of AA's suggested 12 steps. And it's interesting how all alternative steps also arrive at the same number, 12. In my rough sampling of these non-religious steps, I still found some that prescribe spirituality. For, for instance, the Beyond the Belief Agnostics and the Agnostics of the San Francisco Bay Area and others just leave the 12-step stand as written by Bill W., having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, etc. In these writings, any assertion of God, other than God as you understand him, would correctly lead to a designation of AA as religious, as some U.S. state courts have found. So a higher power, capitalized, mind you, is offered as a non-offensive alternative. But I'm afraid that just, I'm afraid that is just an ecclesiastical backdoor that leads to God even as you understand them, as a requirement for sobriety. A choice of doorknob, group of drunks, or good orderly direction remind me of a magician's pick a card, any card, and we know how that ends. Personally, I take full responsibility for picking up a drink. No higher power had anything to do with that. Likewise, I also take full responsibility for putting down that drink. Again, 
no higher power had anything to do with that. And no, I do not think that I am A or the higher power. Just to be clear, science does not know how the cosmos was created. That is what came before the Big Bang. And I can live with that. In fact, science doesn't care whether I can live with it or not, because science just is. Bill W. and Dr. Bob stumbled onto something revolutionary. In the subsequent 80 years or so, science has made some advances, as are being discussed at this conference, and the philosophy of AA is also being refined. Please understand that the only way I got sober was following AA's advice on how to change most of my thinking and my behavior. But I do not need to make a leap of faith. AA is not Christian science after all. But you must be asking, why do I go on about spiritual atheism so much? As I am nearing the last part of my life, circling the drain, as someone put it, I'm endeavoring to take a risk and attempt to live life without the safety net of delusion. That seems to be the only option worth taking. Am I trying to convert others? I don't think so. I just find it stunning that some would call themselves atheists, yet also spiritual. But I firmly support whatever gets you and keeps you sober, in AA or out of AA. Am I insecure about my own non-beliefs? I know that that choice can be scary. Yet I believe that rejection of all things spiritual can make life more meaningful, more mm. precious. As you have now gathered, I am also not convinced by any evidence of the existence of an afterlife. Therefore, I realize I have only this life to live as best I can. I do not want to delude myself with comforting fairy tales. I want to experience myself as myself, or at least die trying. You most likely will believe. You most likely will be relieved to learn that this is the last time I will opine on spirituality. I look forward to hearing from you. In the Q&A, agree with me or tell me where my thinking is off. I welcome your pushback for me. It's an important part of this conference. Thank you for listening. Now I turn you over to John C., I believe. Turn you over to me or to John H.? John, I loved your doggy on the PowerPoint, so why don't you go next? <laughs> okay, good. I'm John. I'm an addict and alcoholic, and uh, I'm also a businessman, you know, and... Uh, so no, nobody believes anybody anymore unless you do a PowerPoint. At my company, they had like a seminar a few weeks ago for the young talent. And they asked uh, a few of us, of the older guys, to present uh, to present our careers and stuff. And so uh, I, I used that basic presentation, changed a lot of the pictures, threw in a lot of psychobabble to tell you about my experience in AA as an atheist. And I hope I can find the meeting. And there it is. Uh, that's me. That's my partner since 1996. And uh, we have a house down in Sicily, too. I live in Paris. Uh, but those are our two dogs. They were like stray dogs that just came on our property. And we've kept them. And they're a lot of fun. Uh, but I didn't grow up in Paris. Uh, and I didn't grow up in Sicily. I come from the high plains of Texas. Here's my ancestors. That little girl in the white dress down there is my grandmother. So this photo was taken about 1900. And uh, uh, as I, uh, I, I used to work for Kodak and so I like photos a lot. And uh, this is like my favorite photo. So this is, where, this is where I came from. My hometown is Amarillo, Texas. And uh, since we have the East Coast elite in this meeting, I thought I'd give a little bit of stuff on Amarillo, Texas as a first slide. So this, so uh, Amarillo is on uh, 
I-40, which used to be called Highway 66. What you also see there is the uh, Cadillac Ranch. There was a wealthy man called Stanley Marsh, who I met once, who uh, I met him twice, actually. I met him once on a in the first class section of a flight to Taiwan, and I met him again at AA, and uh, he was a great guy. He died, but uh, I think he died sober, which was good because he got in a lot of trouble with uh, with some young guys when he was uh, playing with them in, uh, in Amarillo. They don't like that kind of stuff there. You can also see the big Texan steak ranch where uh, it's on uh, it's one of those traps on uh, on Highway 66. And if you go there and order a 42 ounce steak and can eat it in two hours, they'll they'll let you have it for free. As an aside, Amarillo is also known as the final assembly point for all nuclear weapons in the United States. Uh, those are made at Pantex Ordnance Plant. If you'd like to go there, I don't think they, they take visitors, but that's what it is. Uh, I also, uh, even though I've lived in France for a long time, I can still vote in Texas. Uh, I looked up the statistics though at the last election and 69% of the people voted for Donald Trump. So maybe that says why I'm not there anymore. All right, moving to the 1970s. I started working when I was 16 years old. I sold shoes at Penny's and Sears. Then I went to UT Austin. You can see my ID there from 78, 79. It still has the punch holes in it. You can also see my 1979 Cutlass Supreme that I rolled over. Uh, I, was, uh, I was in one piece, but that car, that car suffered. Um, but I went to UT. I spent a year abroad in Brazil. I found that I was good at language. And so I embarked on an international career. Uh, since I was a Latin American specialist, I got a job with Kodak and they sent me to, uh, to Taiwan. Uh, that was, that was very helpful. I, and I had everything as a young expat at, in, at, at Kodak. Uh, but you know, I had a, uh, I was taking drugs and drinking all the time. And I had a, uh, I had a complete mental breakdown <laughs> with a young expat. I was about 26 years old, I think. And, uh, so they sent me back, uh, they sent me back to the U.S. and they told me, uh, uh, we want you to go to rehab. And uh, as the Amy Winehouse song goes, I said, no, 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 I did not go to rehab. I went to Holland. And uh, so you see the, the bridge there representing Holland. You also see I, I was there's a uh, there was my friend Allard there. I was in love with Allard and uh, Allard was uh, unfortunately in love with uh, with cocaine. He was the best looking Dutch guy I ever met. But uh Anyway, he uh, he killed himself uh, as a result of cocaine psychosis. And I think that's, uh, you know, this the disease that we have is a, is a killer disease and addiction is the disease. And so I'm glad that since 1986, I haven't I haven't had to have a, a drink or a drug. That's was that was pretty cool. Uh, in uh, 1986, I got sober. In 1987, I moved to Europe. I moved first to Germany. Uh, that was before the Berlin Wall came down. You can see the Berlin Wall. Uh, that building in the middle, that's where we had our offices, right on the Rhine in, in Cologne. And uh, I worked in the automotive industry since then. And uh, I went to German meetings. Uh, I went to meetings, English meetings in Dusseldorf, because the English meeting in Cologne was headed by like a AA fundamentalist. And I just couldn't take that even then. You know, I mean... I've been active in AA since 1986, but I think if you've been in AA as long as people like me, there comes a point where you have to throw off a lot of what is said. I just couldn't take it anymore, you know? So 
that was Germany, and I moved to uh, to Paris in '91. Uh, I've also had a, an international career. I've tr- I've traveled the world. I've spent a lot of time in China and South Africa. You see me there with Carlos Ghosn, who ended up in a a uh, uh, cello box being sent back from Japan to uh, to Italy. Uh, I became a French citizen in uh, 2006. There you see me uh, getting my French citizenship. And uh, so, yeah, I've had a fantastic life and I've only had a fantastic life because I'm sober. So otherwise, I would not have had a fantastic life. I would have had a shit life. I would still be back there in Amarillo or Tulsa, Oklahoma or wherever it was. But, you know, uh, fortunately, I stayed in AA all this time, no matter what. And I've stayed in AA also being an atheist, but I haven't stayed in regular AA. So uh, for me, I think that what we want to do, what we all try to do is to maintain abstinence. That's what AA is about for me. It's not about higher power or spirituality or 12 magic things that are going to help me become a better person. It's just not that simple for me. I, I, I just, I don't, like reading things over and over and over again. So I don't go to regular AA anymore, and it's not something that I recommend. Uh, I mean, I'm really happy that in 2014, uh, people like Dorothy and Pam, they, they had that first international conference. And at that conference, you know, I stood up there and said, you know, where's the A for atheists? Because atheists are not welcomed in regular AA. They're not welcomed at all. And when I said that, then they changed the name of the conference to the International Convention of Agnostics, Atheists, and Freethinkers. And then, because of Vic, I think it was, they changed it. We changed the name again at the at the conference in Austin to uh, to Secular AA, which somehow is better. It's it's more inclusive. But I think for me, uh, maintaining abstinence, which is what we're all here for, right? Is uh, there's three things, and the first one is community, and then staying in a healthy life, and then I put some psychobabbling about emotional intelligence because that's like a buzzword in, in the business community and, and I kind of like it. So, so I'll talk a little about some of those things and, and my experience in AA. So yeah, I mean, I'm sober because other people help me stay sober and I have a lot of sober friends and having been in the program for, for all these years, those relationships are important to me. Since I travel so much, I also did spend a lot of time uh, going to New York City. And the first uh, meeting that I went to was the West Village Agnostics, I think, on 26th, 27th Street in the Gay and Lesbian Center there. And uh, I really met hardcore people who said a lot of the things that I'm saying tonight, like, ugh, the steps, ugh, the prayers, ugh, you know, who needs that? Who needs it? I don't need it. I don't want to hear it. And And that somehow made me feel like so much better because I, I was like, oh, I'm not the only one who doesn't believe all this shit. And it was, it was such a, it was just such a relief that to know that there are other people like me who want to maintain, who want to keep being sober, but we don't want all the bullshit that, that those regular meetings have. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't go. So we started uh, 20 years ago, the agnostics meetings here, uh, on Friday nights, there was one meeting. There were like six of us for a long time. And then, it, you know, that meeting's been going on for a long time. And I was glad that uh, glad to be involved in that. We started a Monday meeting. We started a, a meeting for for bilingual people. 
And then, you know, COVID came along. And uh, with COVID, it was a whole different thing because all these meetings went online. And uh, even before, you know, after the Austin convention, we started a meeting on Sunday called Secular Sunday. And I was involved in that for two or three years, leading it every Sunday. And it was fun. Then it got a little bit too much like regular AA for me and, and I moved on. But it was still, it was a great experience to have that meeting. And uh, I love that stuff, you know, and uh, I don't want to go to regular AA and have to argue with those people and have to read that book. I just don't need that. So yeah, I dropped out of regular AA. Um, I think the empathy thing was was left over from the business presentation, but I didn't really have time to take that out. But I think empathy is an important thing. And I mean, Vic brought that up. You know, I don't care what people believe in AA. I don't, I'm, you know, and we're all here to help each other. But, you know, I don't find that, I mean, I can be empathetic towards those people who do believe, but I don't think they're very empathetic toward me. And they have found the way. And it's very similar to the way uh, the, the way people in AA do with the steps in the big book is extremely similar to the, the way the Southern Baptists treat the Bible and the Ten Commandments and whatever. So, you know, it, it's just fundamentalism in a different way. And I can't stand that. Well, I mean, here's other stuff. I think this was also from that from that business uh, presentation. But certainly self-control helps, self-motivation helps. Uh, these things are, yeah, which I didn't have any of this stuff when I, when I, uh, because all I did was get, you know, drunk and high. I didn't, I didn't know what self-control was. I didn't know what it meant to motivate oneself because I was just always looking to get fucked up. I was looking to escape life rather than to experience life. And, and my days were spent yeah, getting fucked up. I, I loved getting fucked up more than I did life itself. And I put myself in dangerous situations and horrible moments because I was an addict and an alcoholic. Well, more about emotional intelligence, but uh, it's important to be self-aware. And I don't know how one becomes self-aware, except maybe by practice. You know, as I've gotten older, well... Yeah, it's, it's an important thing. Oh, yeah, I had to fit in here. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is one of my favorites. Uh, if I look back at my ancestors there, you know, they were just worried about getting food on the table and clothes for their kids and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, to move up that that triangle of needs, you know, as an addict or alcoholic, I don't think I think you're always going to be at the bottom. For me, I was always at the bottom level. I was always just hanging on to life. I couldn't move up to think about self-actualization. I had no self-esteem. I hated myself. Uh, you know, I, I had uh, boyfriends, but, you know, it was just, it was not like having a real relationship with other people. So in order to, in order to have a happy life, in order to be uh, self-actualized, if you will, then it's, again, about abstinence for me. Well, I think that's left over from the other presentation, too. So, uh, so yeah, I'll give you my 10 or 12 or whatever it is, things that, you know, help me through life. First of all, 
I've got to take care of myself. Nobody else is going to take care of me. No power is going to come down and save me from whatever the fuck happens. So don't drink one day at a time, no matter what the fuck happens. Don't drink. And people said that to me in early sobriety, and it was really important. Uh, maintaining balance is important. If I don't get enough sleep, if I don't, if I work too much, if I, if I, I don't know, don't do my yoga, then I get into a bad mood and I don't like being in a bad mood. For me, I have to tell everybody, avoid traditional, traditional AA and other fundamentalist sex. And I'm sorry, but AA, traditional AA for me is a fundamentalist sect. And they do everything that regular fundamentalists do. So I would say, for me, I have to avoid it. I've gotten into too many arguments. I don't need them. Secular AA is where I belong. And that's where I like to go. And that's why I keep coming here. Uh, all this other stuff. I mean, it's it's important to hang out with sober people. I like doing that. And, and I always feel slightly uncomfortable at every business dinner I go to, or even with my partner and his friends, because it's always about the wine and they can talk, you know, 20 minutes about the wine and this wine and that wine. And, you know, I just can't enter into those discussions. And I would like to, I'd like to be able to drink as the big book says, like a normal person, but I can't do that. You know, I just can't do it. And, and so I've given up on that. And, and, and so being around others that are trying to stay sober is super important for me and having good relationships with other people. And I think there, if there's anything in any of those steps that was helpful, maybe it's like admitting when I'm wrong. Cause you know, I don't like to admit I'm wrong. I like to be right all the time, but you know, life, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay. We're often, I'm often wrong. I often have, a stupid idea, but realizing that I'm okay with it. I don't, I don't worry about, I don't have to worry about being a perfect person. I can just be me, you know, and I'm glad I have good relationships with people. I don't always have good relationships with, with all people, uh, but disagreements are part of life as I learned. And, and so it's okay to disagree. It's okay. I don't, I don't have to make things about everything about what I think or what I want, you know, it's, uh, it's good to be just to be just myself. And, and I can I've I've learned how to be myself through being sober. Um, I mean, I have a, a team of people that work for me and, you know, I, I really learned because they did send me at one point. They sent me to uh, executive training uh, because I was like uh, I've learned how to manage people and it's manage people. You have to be like really nice to them not criticize them. So I've learned how to be less critical of others and maybe think more about, you know, how, how I can, how I can change some of this stuff. Maybe, you know, it's, there's some AA philosophy in there, but uh, I don't know. I don't, what I find is when I go to secular meetings and uh, I go to a lot of online meetings, maybe a few less now, but I go regularly to the to the secular meeting, we changed the name uh, of the meeting from agnostics, uh, the 20 year old meeting here in Paris, we changed it from agnostics to secular. We don't read any kind of steps at all anymore. That became a little controversy because we tried to read those steps out of some one of those books, you know, and I think in an AA meeting and I learned this from John Huey, by the way, and I'm going to turn it over to him now is that because I in, in their Washington meeting, they don't read anything. They just read the preamble and that's it. And that's enough. 
Because, you know, even Bill Wilson, those people, they said, you know, you don't have to do it's, it's These are all suggestions. If you don't like the suggestion, take another one. But uh, so if you don't like my suggestion, go to traditional AA, but I'm not going. And I'm telling you guys, let's let's continue to work this deal. This is our thing. And let's forget about what other people in AA think, what traditional AA thinks. Let's cultivate our secular recovery program. And I think that's enough for, for me tonight. Thank you. There we go. Sorry, I pushed um, the wrong button, John. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I couldn't push any buttons at all. I'd totally fuck it up if that's I was doing it. So sorry. you were, you know, you're uh, you're extraordinary. That's why you live in Paris and I live in the the hell that has become Washington, D.C. and environs. So, you know, you've lived a more virtuous life. Obviously, you get to live in the city of light. I get to live in the city of darkness. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. But we're not here to talk about that, about that obvious reality. We're here to talk about uh, maybe a bit of an update since the last time the three of us got up for this afternoon with the atheist thing. And I'm not going to be as articulate or as well prepared as my wonderful colleagues here. But I do have a couple of things to say some of which are framed by my own recent experience. Now, I have long experience with this thing. Um, I've been sober since January of uh, 1987. I've been the founding member of a secular meeting since September of 1988. I first got involved and engaged in thinking about secular people in the program, that other program, which the initials, I do not like using those initials anymore. And I try to avoid using those initials whenever I can, although sometimes those noxious initials are necessary to utter and to use. But uh, I uh, uh, was at, I believe, the first meeting that was specifically designed at an international convention for atheists and agnostics in 1990 and can be heard asking a question there. I believe Joe Chisholm has it up on his sites. By the way, somebody took my name down. It's John Huey, by the way. It's not John H. I don't know who the fuck John H is, but I do know who John Huey is, and that's me. Um, but, you know, the, that that's enough of that, basically. But what I, what I did wanted to say is that there there's been a real progression in uh, secular approaches to recovery in the years since I've been around. Now, I never would have been able, there are people on the screen here who I know put up with the traditional approach for decades. I never would have made it if two inspired hardcore atheists, they were not agnostics, they were not spiritual, they were hardcore old time American atheists who are now deceased, uh, you know, Tom and Maxine started, had the idea of starting the first meeting for atheists and agnostics in Washington, D.C. In, uh, in 1988. Uh, Tom got the idea for it from, uh, he had connections to Chicago and he got the idea for starting a meeting in D.C. 
from Quad A in Chicago. So, you know, even all those years ago, decades and decades ago, people were, were cross-pollinating from one meeting in one region to another. And I was a great beneficiary of that. But at that time, in those days, the only alternative, the only game in town when it came to sobriety was this two initial thing, okay? And the only way to communicate in those days, remember, there were no cell phones to speak of. There were some very wealthy people had some, but very, there were no mass communications in terms of cellular, certainly no internet, certainly nothing but a printed newsletter, telephone, and a meeting schedule, a printed meeting schedule. And that's all there was. And as far as we knew, knew, and that at that time, that's all there was ever going it was ever going to be because they had a monopoly on sobriety. At least that's what they purported to have. Now, fortunately for me, I categorically rejected their so-called steps, their noxious big book, and all of the other pejorative garbage that they tried to shove down my throat right from Jump Street. And the reason I say is that the secular movement saved my life is that without the founding of the secular meeting that I first went to in 1988, I would have gone out and gotten drunk because literally, whether you believe it or not, I would have rather been dead than do their fucking 12 steps. It was a fate worse than death to me to become religious. I have been a devoted atheist since age 12 and would certainly much been much happier dead than believing that claptrap for 20 or 30 years. It was a fate worse than death for me. So I'm very serious about secular meetings because I truly believe that secular meetings saved my life. And, uh, you know, I was also very fortunate to finally find out that we didn't need that other organization at all. We don't need them. They most certainly don't need us. But when I met my wonderful colleagues, a few of whom are on the screen today, um, you know, John and Vic, and I see John S., Mr. Sheldon here, and maybe a few others that showed up at, at Santa Monica in 2014. And by the way, I also have to give a, 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 a shout, out, shout out to Dorothy and Pam and their late friend Jonathan for thinking of that, because that's certainly something I didn't think of. But I, at the, the, the second I found out about it, I, I knew I was going to beat feet from D.C. to California to, to, to check this thing out because it seemed important right from the beginning. And sure enough, it was because I was standing in the courtyard of that <clears throat> church. Why they had it in a church, I'll never know. But even a Unitarian church. But, uh, you know, be that as it may, it was a it was a physically a nice place. And I was standing in that courtyard and looking around at all these wonderful folks assembled there. And I had a total epiphany. And the total epiphany was 
We don't need them anymore. There are enough of this type of folks from all over the world, from every corner of the globe, from every orientation, every race, creed, whatever, are here, and we don't need to be associated with them anymore. And it produced a great amount of frustration in me when I saw very obviously I was going to be a minority even there because there were some people around that saw things the way I did. But it was pretty clear that the majority of folks associated with this uh, newly formed organization or whatever you want to call it did in fact want to maintain some sort of association with them. But I, I have to thank, you know, uh, you know, Pam and Dorothy and Jonathan for opening my mind to the possibility that I no longer needed to be associated with them. And very shortly after that conference, I severed my association with that organization in my head. Okay. Um, I had a number of friends that were associated with that organization who I knew then and who I still know now, uh, you know, people I've known for 30 years or more. But the the people aside, uh, severing my personal association with that organization was extremely good for me. And uh, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why eight years later, people are still devoted to using those initials to self-identify. Now, I have a lot of things on my webpage and a lot of uh, other material that I've developed over the years, a lot of it in conjunction with this organization. If anybody wants to go into the details of what I think, if that's at all interesting to anyone, you can look on my website at john-huey.com and look at the secular tab on that page. Uh, I think it's called Secular Recovery Publications on that page. You don't have to buy a book of mine or any of that stuff. I don't sell recovery books, by the way. Um, unlike some, I'm not here to pitch you and sell you a fucking recovery book. But, you know, there's a lot of free material on my site if you want to take a look at it. Um, I'm also developing my theories of atheism a little bit more as I get older. And uh, John Sheldon, who is on the screen, and I have a series of talks that are still ongoing and in development regarding atheism and sobriety and the finer points, as it were, as I would take it from my own vantage point in my waning years which is, you know, somebody's going to have to time me because I'll just go on forever. Vic, do one of these when I'm getting close. Um, the, the, one of the things that push, has pushed me forward recently is the lack of time that we all have. And, you know, we just have a finite amount of time to make the contributions we need to make to the people that are closest to us, but also in the wider world, to the things that we're involved with that 
have significance in our lives. And the reason I'm saying this is I, I was in an ICU in May and came very close to the, the final roundup this year. Now, fortunately, I managed to recover and I'm back out doing my thing, traveling around the world, not as extensively as my buddy John, but I still get out and about to try to you know, make a few bucks and see some of my old dear friends. Uh, and you know, the, the reason I'm saying this is that if you're engaged and involved now, the time to crank up your engagement and involvement is today. I made a serious error in judgment and started a business in Russia in my 50s, which was, uh, we won't go into that, but you know, uh, Russians don't like to do things on time. And I would have these, these meetings with my dear colleagues in Moscow, my employees in Moscow, and uh, my Russian really sucks, but I would bang on the desk and yell, which is today, not tomorrow. And that's the thing I wanna try to emphasize and leave you all with, because the implications of what you do and what you say for people you don't know, people you haven't seen yet, and people who will come after us is far larger than you may realize. I know people who are long dead, whose contributions and lives resonate with me on a daily basis. So let's not sell ourselves short. Let's not be defeatist. Let's take some of the stuff off of John's wonderful motivational slide. I think he's going to have a, a career in his declining years as a motivational speaker for, you know, you know, the European corporate complex or some fucking thing. But no, he did there's a, a lot of truth in that because. If we do things in a methodical and reasonable way and tell the truth, what the truth that we're telling, that we see as the truth, is going to resonate beyond our time here. It will resonate for some. For many, it will just be discounted and not at all uh, resolved or resonate at all. But for some people, the little bit of time that we have here and the contributions that we make will have more significance than we can possibly imagine. So if you're despairing of all of this stuff about people trying to shove secular steps down your throat, you know, cute homilies about how wonderful traditional AA is and all the other claptrap you hear on the secular boards and secular forums, there are there is hope for rationality, for uh, for more reasonable thought, and a truly secular way forward. If you are in fact an atheist, if you are not in fact an atheist, then don't listen to anything. I say, please, if you are not an atheist, totally discount 
anything I say. But if you are an atheist and you consider yourself to be an atheist, which means there is no such thing as a higher power, by the way, all right? If you truly see, understand, and appreciate that as a fact of existence, without any confusing cosmology or stupidity associated with it, then I would suggest that you might want to listen closely to the hardcore message that some of us are willing to deliver. You know, that old take what you need and blah, blah stuff also applies, obviously. But some of us have actually spent some time trying to think this through and work it out in a logical way. And most certainly trying to secularize the 12 steps or come up with something that looks like a big book or, you know, reform you spiritually, you know, is not atheism. So that's just a, that's just an opinion. And with that, I think I probably have reached my, if not my, I'm close to my expiration date, obviously, but I believe that my, my time in this little stitch of, stitch of temporal reality is coming to an end. So maybe we will just let some people that are on the forum, if they want to speak, speak, and, you know, let my two esteemed colleagues, who really are esteemed, by the way, these are two people that have been instrumental in driving this whole thing forward, in my opinion, from its inception, as well as Mr. Sheldon, who's also made a lot of contributions here. I used your last name, John, you see, John Sheldon, not John S. Okay. That's John Cameron up at the top of the screen, by the way. He's freaking out. He's freaking out. Vic Losick down there in fucking New York City. So there's the word. Look at this. Look at how much they love us out in the wider world. You're getting the word today from fucking Paris, from Manhattan, and from, you know, five miles from the White House. How's that for really, you know, pissing the generic hordes off? You know, we've done a wonderful job today, I'm sure. So there we are. That's what comes from this little corner of the world. And I'll shut up and let some other people chime in. If we do have time left, do we have time left? We have plenty of time. I'm Megan and I earned my seat. If you would like to share, you can find the raise hand yes, option under participants. Come on in, Cynthia. What are they doing here? It's with the hands? What is this? Please I think they're doing hands. Yes. So Cynthia should go ahead. And who is, who is uh, moderating? Uh, who is the that, that would be me. Me being Megan. Megan. Okay. So you're going to be in charge of calling on people. Uh, yeah. That, and the order that their hands are up, I'll unmute and and invite them in. Yes. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Cynthia. Okay. Good afternoon. Oh, by the way, we're not all American. Anyway, um, not saying that one, but thank you. Um, thank all three contributors. You know, I just realized. Sitting in this meeting is how long it's been since I feel totally comfortable in even secular meetings. I, I, I'm increasingly disillusioned with secular AA. 
I don't regard myself a mem- as a member of AA. I left AA oh, 26 years ago. And um, no, no, I would not attempt to go back to any sort of traditional meetings. But I'm even finding I'm getting discouraged by secular because I find they're increasingly full of basically big book thumping program pushers. And I'm not interested. Um, but the, the, so the question is, but what's the alternative? You know, if you, I like being around alcoholics, I like hearing their, their brains work. I like hear them sort of, I hear them thinking. I like, I, you know, and there's a lot of people I, I, I appreciate within the secular community. But I don't wish to be part of that. Uh, anything that sort of kowtows to AA. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I am, I, I realize I'm on a spectrum. I'm, I'm a fairly extreme end of it. I, I would describe myself as a rabid evangelical atheist. I think is my best description. I, I, I don't want to pretend. And that, I think the question, particularly in fact, you're, you're talking about, you know, the spirituality question. Why we use that term? What, is there such a thing as a spiritual? Yes. No, there bloody well isn't. That simple. Um, so I, 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 this, this attempt to fit in and fit the language, you know, if you take words and you change their meaning, they're no longer the same bloody words. Find a different one. You know, one thing philosophers have told is you cannot have a discussion until you first define your terms. Um, and, you do, you know, and this whole thing of changing the steps, finding different definitions for God and spirituality. I, I you know, I do not have a spiritual neuron in my brain. You know, I, I got left out of that bit. And I, I, I don't wish to talk about it. I don't wish to hear about it. I don't wish to hear about people discussing alternative higher powers i don't wish to hear any of that shit and um you know but i find it increasingly difficult to find a comfortable place to put my seat and put my bum on a seat you know i i totally agree with the traditionalists in aa and let's remember they are the majority of the people that make up aa if you take god out of the program it's no longer the aa program i agree it's not I'm not a member of AA. Uh, My big question is why we continue to pretend, why we continue to adopt the language, the talking about the people come in and talk about working my program, not try the program as in the AA program, but I don't believe in God. Then you're not working the bloody program for God's sake, get honest. You know, Jesus Christ, give up the, you know, the the, the safety blanket, you know, throw it away. Um, So I'm, you know, I, I when I was a teenager, I went through this kind of weird, naive, optimistic stage in my, in my teenage years where I thought I would live long enough to see all churches gone, you know, the world free from religion. <laughs> How naive was that? Um, and I feel the same way a bit about AA at the moment. And I'm, I'm increasingly coming to the conclusion that I, I'm just... I just don't want to put up with that shit in AA means. I don't want to hear about God. I don't want to hear about the steps. I want to hear about recovery. I want to hear people's brains working, how, how they're living, how they're thinking. And uh, that's what gives me joy. I want to see people get sober um, through rational uh, uh, adoption of, of, of rational um, recovery tools and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm discovered. Anyway, you give me hope. You know, I give me hope. Throw away the safety blanket, folks. It's okay. It's it's safe out here. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, It's always good to hear from you. Uh, uh, Cynthia, I I just just want to respond uh, a little bit because uh, Yui really responds to this. Uh, There is a a sort of a quandary. If we indeed do leave AA, uh, then uh, are we 
sort of really touch you the uh, corner of the world no one's you're breaking up very bad Vic we completely lost that last few seconds there okay just to straight I have a bad connection so ignore what I just said thanks uh Vic if you cut your video it should help with the connection for next time um come on in Jen hey everybody Jennifer alcoholic <clears throat> and I really appreciate and want to thank the uh presenters today. They were great, great talks. I enjoyed them very much. And thank you, Megan, for your service as well. And anybody else who's helping out with this meeting. <clears throat> um, so on the first uh, point I wanted to share on was the word spirituality, because it seems to come up a lot for me. Um, I remember, uh, I think it was my second year, or my in, within my sec first two years, um, I was trying to figure out how to have it. <laughs> so uh, the best thing I was able to do at the time was um, Google um, spirituality. There's some noise going on. And... Um, 12, and I came out, I found this website said 12 ways to be spiritual. And uh, there was, it was a very nice list of 12 things. The, the only one I remember offhand is uh, being in nature. It could be spiritual where you're feeling things. But, you know, that has nothing to do with spirituality here in the booth. And, um, I, I, re I reject those words. I reject those words. I reject the word soul. <laughs> Anything attributed to the not flesh and bones of me, uh, I reject. Um, and I, I blanch at them uh, every time a supposed uh, secular person uses them. But I, I do have to accept the fact that we're in the habit of using certain words. And I just go with, with uh, default terminology. Uh, and move on with my life, not let that, you know, ruin my, my meeting. Um, so yeah, I, I do uh, totally reject uh, those things. Um, and, um, and I'm also happy to share that I do that. As far as uh, having a separate uh, organization, so to speak, you know, that would be ideal. But uh, reinventing the recovery community, I feel, is an overwhelming um, endeavor. And staying with AA, a lot of people find secular AA through AA, and that's probably the only way that most people will find us. Uh, nine out of ten people find my morning meeting through group online.com, whatever it's called. And they have a secular filter, which is, you know, amazing. Um, yeah, so they do serve a purpose and nobody has to go back to traditional. They could just stick with us. And, you know, we have our own organization. We're just affiliated perhaps with the bigger one. Not enough secular meetings. Um, and not everybody likes the online versions 
of, you know, being in person, meeting people, making real friends who are going to be in my sphere, in my location where I can hang out with in real life as opposed to virtually, which I do that too, of course. Uh, not enough secular meetings in the t towns in this country, just not, not like AA. That would be ideal if every town could have two or three or four to choose from on a weekly basis. But until that time, I feel it, it's imperative that we stick with the bigger, bigger uh, organization. And uh, I think I'll stop there. So thank you everybody for listening to me. Thank you for sharing. Sally, come on in. Hi everybody, I'm Sally, I'm an alcoholic. I just wanted um, to thank uh, my speakers. Vic, I was a little late. I had a hard time getting in. But I wanted to thank the speakers very much for um, what you had to say today. And I just have to tell you, um, I was sober for 43 or 44 years when COVID hit. And I couldn't get to meetings. And I accidentally discovered secular meetings. Um, I'm in Connecticut. I'm easily 100 miles away from a secular meeting by car. And finding Zoom was the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've, I, I've attended um, traditional AA for 43 years. I took about a 10-year um, uh, sabbatical because I really couldn't stand it. But um, I needed to be sober. And I have spent my entire years in AA in the closet as an atheist, always thinking, how do these people believe this shit? But knowing that I needed to get sober because I was in too much trouble. So I managed somehow. I come away from meetings and say, I, I feel as if I'm the only person in this room who's not on an acid trip. And it's a very lonely experience, but I had to do it because I was too afraid I'd drink. And once I got leveled out and so on, I attended meetings whenever I could, but mainly just speaker meetings because they don't have a chance really to pontificate too much and proselytize and, 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 and spend a lot of time, you know, with conversion conversations. So I went underground, but I have to tell you very quickly that because of my exposure, with secular AA, I have I have gone to a regular AA, and I have come out of the closet because there are too many newcomers who come in and they just fall away. They can't stand all this stuff, and so I am now a very vocal atheist at normal uh, Holy Roller AA meetings here in Connecticut, and um, I'm not getting a really warm reception, but. Um, I feel I have an obligation to uh, somehow I feel because I've been sober for a long time and I wish I had heard a, 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 a rational voice when I came into AA and I didn't. Anyway, that's enough out of me, but I cannot thank the secular movement enough. And all that magic, funny talk they have in AA about people when they first come into AA, I felt identification, a sense of relief and the sense that I found home only when I came to a secular meeting after 44 years of going to AA, uh, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, that's enough out of me. Again, thank you speakers very much. It was marvelous hearing you today. Thank you, Sally. The ever grateful Jeb, come on in, darling. 
Oh, thank you, Megan. My name is Jeb, and I'm a grateful recovered addict alcoholic. And I just, I'm so grateful that we have the freedom, as our speakers today have had, to 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 display your passion, uh, your convictions, and your self esteem. Those are certainly products of living the twelve step process of recovery. And I'm not talking about those fucking 12 steps, the way they're worded on page 59, because they do not reflect what Bill wrote before that. You know, that's the add on sort of stuff. The most destructive part of that chapter is those three pertinent ideas, which are totally contrary to everything else that Bill wrote. So I'm glad that we have a place where we can finally be honest. And that's why we started secular meetings in the Denver area back in 2013. Is we There were so many of us who really wanted to be honest and stop pretending and understood that there is a very pragmatic process of growing up and taking responsibility for our own lives. And, uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate that when I came to AA, they said, don't read that book without a dictionary. And I happened to have a 1939 dictionary, which was the year I was born. So it was also my father's dictionary. So, you know, I understand now that words are only symbols and they came to changing meetings. And so, you know, if someone uses a word like higher power, I have to ask him, what do you mean by that? Or spiritual. Spiritual means non-material. Oh, yeah, I can handle that. That's why, I'm, you know, it helps me to identify, but I call my, uh, my, my attitudes, emotions, ideas, opinions, understandings, and yearnings, A-E-I-O-U, that are non-material things, but they certainly affect my behavior. And AA has helped me through uh, reflection, you know, the, well, yeah, reflection, learning what those things are that control my attitude and my behavior and so forth. So I can take that seriously. I always, it bothered me from the beginning that people use the word G-O-D as a proper name. It's, you know, if you use a dictionary again, it's, it doesn't mean that. But, but I like the fact that but Bill wrote that we're going to find what we need deep within. He calls it the, you know, he says that in the last analysis is the only way that's the only place it's going to be found. And so the great reality deep within the innermost self, unsuspected inner resource, that's what I found when I started to look in the mirror and say, what makes makes me who I am? What What is my past, my formative years, and make me the, the guy that I am? And, you know, for me, recovery is a, is a way of life. It's a continuing process. And whatever I can get from other people that I could use, you know, you know, that that's important. I don't like the idea of what I need. Take what you need and leave the rest. It's take what you can use. And I'm used more today than I did 10 or 20 or 30, 40 years ago. And so I'm still one a day at a time. I think that was a good thing that Bill talked about and others. And today is day 16,135 since my last drink of alcohol. I could talk about the other addictions, which went and well, just had to let go of eventually. So I'll shut up. I want to hear from Ken now. Thank you. Thanks, Jeb. I love hearing you share. Come on in, Ken. Uh, can you hear me? Ken. Oh, great. Uh, I just want to. I don't want to say very much. Um, you know, I got up at. Uh, I got up at four o'clock in the morning to see you guys, you guys, and uh, and I absolutely, you know, um, 
it's one I've met. I've met uh, John and John, and uh, and and, I'm not, and I was at Santa Monica, and uh, it's just it's just really lovely to have this this continuity, and uh, you know, and I've and I've listened to all of uh, John H. I've listened to all John Huey, I should say. I've listened to all of your um, wonderful talks with um, you know the wonderful John Sheldon. It's just awesome, you know. You guys are. Um, you know, you guys are, are sort of uh, leading the way, and I, I'm an interloper from from uh, what we call Secular Narcotics Anonymous, which has grown out of your experience and uh, and what you guys, you know, what I saw and heard and uh, and learnt at Santa Monica, you know, and uh, it's just it's just really wonderful. And I don't, you know, someone mentioned, you know, the the, th- the thing people try and do with the acronym uh, acronyms from GOD. I couldn't give a sh- flying shit about that. And uh, you know, and I, and I, couldn't give, I couldn't give a. Anyway, I, I really, I really love the irreverence and the practicality and 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 the, um, you know, the realness, you know, that I that I hear here. And um, and look, you know, I remember you guys, you know, um, when we were on that committee, you know, there was a lot of resistance to these terrible Johns, you know, that <laughs> it was almost like. Um, Anyway, it, and it was so uncalled for, and it's so, and it's so it was it's kind of mis, mis, misplaced, I think, and uh, and I think that uh, I think that where you got where where the thinking is going, um, you know, it's really healthy. It's really healthy, and it's really great that we have a, have a space like this. And thank you know, thank goodness for um for Zoom, you know, thank goodness. I mean, you know, the pandemic has been dreadful and everything, and I've lost we've all lost friends probably, but. Uh, but it's brought a lot of people together and it's allowed secular recovery um, to really advance. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ken. Come on in, Robert. Hi, um, I'm on my uh, mobile phone, so apologies for that. I'm, uh, I'm uh, Robert and I'm grateful to be sober today. I use those words. I guess I could say I'm Robert and I'm a person in secular recovery. Uh, thank you for this lively discussion. I did want to chime in a little bit on the uh, on the uh, you know is AA is secular AA part of AA and uh, do we have a place and those kinds of things and for me personally I am I want to first bring up uh, William Shakespeare and his thirty nine plays and his uh, tremendous book of uh, sonnets and uh, you know my favorite out of those is uh, Much Ado About Nothing. And uh, I don't know what your favorite is, but I'm not going to throw out all of Shakespeare's plays because they are uh, they're archaic and were written in the uh, uh, around 1600 or before. The same way, you know, I'm not going to throw out the United States Declaration of Independence. Sorry for uh, the global audience. I'm not going to throw out the Declaration of Independence because uh, Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder at the time. Independence meant something completely different. Uh, and America really didn't get equal rights until the 14th Amendment after the Civil War. But I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, and I feel the same way about Alcoholics Anonymous. Written way back in 1939, uh, you know, things have evolved since then. The world has evolved. Would anyone want to go to a doctor from 1939? No. Um, but uh, uh, I have to say that I, I think that maybe... You know, we bring, and Bill Wilson himself in a lot of his books uh, and quotations written long after the big book, had said, says that, uh, you know, we use, none of these ideas are original. 
they come from time. You know, we, we take input from clergy and from medicine and from psychiatry in, into this uh, multi-phased uh, disease, to even use that word is a, is a stretch. Here's my opinion on secular AA. AA was great in, 19, uh, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then along comes secular AA. And you know what I think about that? I think that's evolution in process. You know, mind is expanding. Knowledge is expanding. You know, throw in the Me Too movement and the, uh, um, what's the one? Oh, please, excuse me. Ah, the Harry Firestein. Uh, oh, oh, well, anyway, the other, you know the one I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, oh, and, and the way we use uh, different pronouns now in this modern age, you know. Um, you know, our, our language evolves, uh, but we keep going. And I think that the kernel of Alcoholics Anonymous is with us or it's with me. And I'm grateful for the book. I'm grateful for chapter three. I will quote chapter three forever. Um, chapter four, throw it out. You know, so, yeah, I take what I want and I leave the rest. I go to a meeting uh, with uh, I go to a non-secular meeting. I go to a secular meeting and the uh, I think we need to uh, voice our voice the fact that we exist. And then a spiritual experience for me is to sit in that room full of those born-again Christians in this conservative state that I live in, look around the room and see love and compassion and caring and sharing, you know, and that is a spiritual experience. Thanks. Thanks, darling. Um, before we go any further, I would like to acknowledge that the opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. To those of you who are messaging me, we speak freely here. You don't have to like what's being said. You have the option to leave. Come on in, Dale. Hey, folks. I'm Dale. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks, Megan, for uh, moderating this. And our three speakers, I love listening to you. Uh, the one thing that I related to in all three of your talks was your genuineness. And, you know, I've always been a genuine person. I've, I've never felt comfortable pretending I was something I wasn't. Uh, and I can tell you that in early AA, I took a lot of hits for that. Uh, I was very fortunate in that I, uh, I had a secular meeting start in my hometown in the mid 80s. Uh, so I found people like myself and being genuine was just what we did you know we were able to do because it was a safe space and i want to uh, give a little kudos to sally for finding the voice of her genuine self i know that it's it can be rough but it's also so rewarding it feels so good when you are just who you are and it's it's just a beautiful thing it's an absolutely beautiful thing and that's why we got sober to be to find out who we are and be that person you know there's no reason to be someone else and and whether you uh agree with uh being in the larger organization of AA or not, I, to me, it's all irrelevant. To me, it's, it's all about people and, and community. 
and and being here with all you guys at this secular conference it, it, it just you know what a beautiful day it is right we're here together and 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 that's what keeps me sober nothing else it, it's never been anything else yeah i worked the steps in early sobriety and all that because i thought i was supposed to i didn't know any better but i haven't dealt with that sort of thing in 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 40 years but you know it's the people and it's 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 the sense of belonging that keeps me sober and i just want to thank everybody for being part of that thanks dale come on in ron i am good morning um in recovery alcoholism they drawn uh, here in Southern California, of course, here because alcohol kicked my ass. And uh, really great speakers. I, I really enjoyed the dialogue. I always do. Um, I, it's really nice to see John, um, Johnny C. Uh, you're a beautiful human being. And um, and I come to love John Huey. Um, he's, I, I would call him my friend, I hope. And um, I, I so a story, I was at the 2014 convention. I went there. I, I was I had to go to that. I was drawn right to it. And I remember meeting John there and seeing him. And he might not remember me, but I just thought he was just an angry old man. And a lot of AA from he was entertainment. A lot of AA for me was just entertainment. That's you know what I mean? Like I would go there and just roar at some of the hilarious horseshit that goes on. But anyway, like like they're putting a newcomer in charge of the treasury and he steals the money and and you know what I mean, that kind of shit would I just love that 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 about about AA, but uh, so John John was just some odd fella that I met, and um, he was entertainment. But I come to love him and um, and care, and and it was like you know when I was first around other non-believers, I, and I didn't hear it ever in traditional AA. I never heard anybody say that they had to which I had to do, I had to interpret the language and, and and change it to make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? And I think everybody does in their own way anyway now, but I, I didn't understand that that's what I was doing and that other people did that too. And so it was a great sense of relief. And um, I stayed tradition, sober and traditional AA for many years and mostly in general service. And um, a lot of people don't like that, but um, I found more, reasonable people and secular people in general service than I did in traditional AA. And then in H&I, and I spent uh, 30 years now going to jail. I was, in fact, Monday I was in jail. And I love to go to jail and tell them, well, I'm sober without God. And they just get all freaked out. And um, and it's great. And uh, but that message has to be carried somewhere. So one last story. Uh, my fifth sponsor saved my ass, Bob. Um, I like to give my sponsorship. I'm one of those that has sponsors. I like to give them credit. But anyway, Bob was my sponsor from 95 until 2015 when, as the Native Americans would say, he crossed over. Bob got sober in 1970, and he told me he knew the guy that started that doorknob is, the, is his higher power in AA. And, and the story he told me was that this guy was a lifelong convict like Bob was, and so Bob identified with him. And he spent most of his life in jail without doorknobs. And so when he got out, the doorknob represented freedom to him. And so when he was 
called on to have a higher power in AA. He said it was a doorknob. And boy, that upset them in the day. Yes, it did. So I like to, I like to like to let you know where that story comes from. Anyway, peace and love. Be good to yourself. That's what Bob would say. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Before we continue, we have as long as we need. However, if you were aiming to go to one of the three o'clock panels, I want to let you know that they'll be starting in a few minutes. That's the couples in recovery, the LGBTQA plus and the behind the scenes Q&A for the ICSA board members are all starting in five minutes. Okay, come on in, Neil. I'm Neil and uh, I'm down here in deepest, darkest Appalachia. Um, where there's not a secular anything inside or outside the rooms. And uh, I, these three speakers were just great. I mean, you guys just nailed it. As far as what worked and didn't work for me, I got sober inside the Beltway and I didn't know any, you know, in the early 80s, I didn't know anything about John Huey's meeting. So I, I haven't been there. The first time I went there, I lived 300 miles away. And I've been there a few times and then the COVID came. And then um, the, the AA around here is just, I've been and I've tried going at different times. It It's just too much. Um, so then I accidentally heard about secular AA when, when the shit went down in Toronto. And I actually read about it in the mainstream press. And I'm like, you know, atheist AA, what, what the fuck is that? So, you know. Then I started going online and meeting Joe and Roger and all those people. And, uh, uh, and you know, then I got back involved and then I found the Zoom meetings before the COVID. And, um, and you know, I'm glad there's plenty of them because they're getting up in the middle of the night to go to Paris. I just uh, I'm not that kind of a morning person. And actually, that meeting started before it was morning. I heard somebody mention Sam Harris. Man, when I was in the library and saw the Sam Harris spirituality book. I was so disappointed. Um, and I haven't read anything by him since. Um, anyway, that, that, that's about all I want to say. Thank, thanks for you guys for being here. Thanks for sharing. Bruce, come on in. Thank you, Megan. I just discovered this whole thing 25 minutes ago. And uh, I'm going to dash over to the LGBT thing just to see how I, I, I'm gay. And I, I just wanted to see how it's formatted because Ooh. I've been for two and a half years since COVID discovered SRG, Secular Recovery Group, where there's seven meetings a day and and uh, I mean, seven meetings a week. And, and just it's just fantastic. It's been a quantum leap in my after thousands of meetings here in St. Louis, Missouri, um, over the you know quarter of a century, it's just so fantastic. It's been one of the really fantastic out. Uh, just the negative thing about COVID led me online. I might have gone the rest of my life without ever getting on a Zoom meeting, but necessity being the mother of invention. But before I got out of the meeting, I just want to say something glorious that you'd said, Megan, uh, about that uh, it was in almost every format of most of the meetings I would be to over the years here in St. Louis, one of the, like the format at the beginning of the meeting was included, the opinion expressed here is that of the individual only and doesn't necessarily reflect the, the group as a whole. And I just think that's how I actually go through life is that 
that no one's going to see things identically to the way I see them. I can only speak from my point of view. And, and if, if there's another point of view, I just, uh, I just kind of repeat to myself, hey, hey, it just represents the opinion that that individual's opinion, because I'm almost a a, other than incitement to riot. I'm almost a free speech absolutist, which includes if somebody comes up to me, it's like, hey, you know, I've 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 had some I've had some things having to do with sexual identity over the years and stuff. And now I'm I'm now free to the point of like, hey. (laughs) <laughs> that's an interesting perspective and then distance i don't i i just love the idea that uh secular recovery exists um and uh just um, this has been just an exciting experience to know that this is going on for this weekend uh, thanks a lot for letting me kind of ramble on <clears throat> thank you for sharing um when you come across a woman named marcia Message her and tell her I sent you. I think you would be ideal for a panel she's holding next week. Um, Since there are no hands up, my name is Megan and I have earned my seat. I did uh, did 15 years in mainstream, just feeling broken because whatever this God thing was, it it wasn't me, it wasn't with me. Um, And my big book is marked to hell and back with periods in between each letter every time the word God appears, um, trying to find a way to rationalize it into making sense. And I, you know, coming in here, it amazes me how I survived all those years with such close-minded people. In our last panel, um, the, one of our speakers, her opinion of the topic and my opinion of the topic could not be more different. We disagree on every single point. And she is one of the most lovely, wonderful human beings I have ever had the honor of being in a conversation with. Because we can have separate opinions. We can look at things differently in secular AA and not be shamed or demeaned for it because you're not wrong. It's just your opinion. It doesn't make you wrong and bad. In mainstream, it made you wrong and it made you bad. And and I'm not a, a mainstream hater. I'm really not. I just really, really love how we can disagree here, how we can find our own paths. How I mean, I don't have to like what you're saying to defend your right to say it. Yeah, thank you for letting me share. Larry, come on in. Ah, hang on, you're bouncing around. There you are. There, how you doing? I'd like to thank all those speakers. You guys, you're you're the irascible bastards and you, you're doing such a great job. And I there's nothing better than to, to listen to everybody's very divergent opinions. Um and thankfully, each and every one of you are absolutely correct. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, and for those 